And this Go. ball in the air, deep right center Go. field. Two-run home run, Trevor Story. Way back, Myers, watch it go Chuck Nasty. Two-run home run, David Dahl. And Nolan drives this high in the air, deep left field. Take a good look, you won't see it for long. I don't want to lose your love tonight. Welcome in to the DNVR Rockies podcast, presented, of course, by StravaCraft Coffee. You got to remember to use their promo code DNVR20 because you will get 20% off your entire purchase of that CBD infused, deliciously rich, and potentially life altering StravaCraft coffee. I am your host, Drew Creaseman. I am the managing editor of DNVR Rockies. I'll be riding solo for the final time during this regular season. Patrick Lyons will be back with us and at it for the rest of these. But for this episode, we have got to discuss a 7-2 victory for your Colorado Rockies over the San Francisco Giants in one of their better played games of the season from beginning to end, and that's actually now twice in a row that we've said that for your Rockies, which is utterly bizarre considering it also comes now that they are without Nolan Arenado and it being made official today that Nolan Arenado has indeed been placed on the IL, and so they will be without him for the remainder of the season. But the team so far responding well with six and then seven runs of output and doing it today with contributions up and down the lineup. In fact, a further ironic wrinkle to what the offense has done without Nolan is that in this game, they also did it while Rymal Tapia and Trevor Story broke long hitting streaks that they'd been on, or at least decent, you know, hitting streaks that they've been on. As I've Talked about several times on this podcast, you know, Raimal Tapia has been an on-base machine and a consistency machine. And this was just the fourth time in 36 games since he's been moved to the leadoff spot that he did not get on base. And despite that, he was still, or the Rockies, I'm sorry, were still able to put up the big number of seven, doing it without their uh, leadoff man who's been super hot since going there, and without Trevor Story, really quality stuff to just be able to get enough out of a couple of hits from Pilar, including a big home run, base hit for Blackman, and him coming around to score one. We know, again, Josh Fuentes continues to get it done with a big hit, there especially early on and I, I think those two early runs were especially important for the Rockies getting them with two outs as we've seen has been such a big problem two outs runners in scoring position 
coming up with the hit. Josh Fuentes comes through with one. He's been great at that lately, showing a little bit of those clutch genes maybe. And Ryan McMahon making sure that it wasn't just the one, that they didn't you know scratch out just the one run early and, and feel like they're kind of hanging on by that. By getting the second one, uh, I feel like that was really – you know, the kind of opportunity we've seen Colorado miss for most of the season. And so big stuff early on from Fuentes and McMahon. Obviously, the big swing of the bat came there in the, what was it, the fifth? Yeah, it was the fifth inning where uh, Elias Diaz, who has shown you again that, you know, and, and – I'd been on the other side of this debate a little bit. Never in favor of Drew Butera, though. I always understood Drew Butera's placement on the roster. I never understood why he was getting so many starts, especially over Elias Diaz, other than the possibility that he maybe wasn't 100% healthy early on. There had been some questions about that, and he didn't get a full training, summer camp, whatever we, we ended up calling it. Uh and also, there have been some questions about his defense. But boy, I tell you what, when you see what Fuentes and Diaz have done, not just today, but really when given regular at-bats, they've produced. They've produced offense that the Colorado Rockies have desperately needed. And it's difficult not to go back and ask the question, what might this team have looked like? Might they have been able to better endure the storm of not having Arenado? or not having a healthy Arenado, certainly not having a, a healthy and productive Nolan Arenado. Could they have done that if they'd made a much earlier decision to give more plate appearances to Diaz and Fuentes rather than so many for Wolters, Butera, and Daniel Murphy? That's one of those questions that's really going to haunt this team, especially if they don't go on a magical end-of-the-season run here and kind of win out and sneak into it and do some things you know, if they're really feeling terrible about themselves in the offseason, that'll be one of the small questions, not one of the big roster construction questions. That's more for like, you know, the day-to-day the -day management of the team. What could they have done? And it's really looking like uh, those guys are just much, much more reliable offensive players than who the Rockies have been trotting out early in the season. And that's hurt them before, but it helped them in this one tonight, Diaz with the big two RBI hit there, it kind of blew it open. And, you know, I said this on Twitter. It's a good opportunity for me to call myself out just a little bit and um, not really call myself out. I'm really trying to be consistent here. But uh, people have often argued that I make a big deal out of the umpiring when it costs the Colorado Rockies, and that's true. Uh, but that there was a really, really, really – egregiously bad call in that at bat for Elias Diaz. He got an 0-2 changeup from Johnny Cueto that was unquestionably a strike. It was just, it was there. The strike zone was garbage all night, kind of for everybody and super inconsistently. Like there wasn't one spot that the umpire was missing. There was like, it was, he was just bad. There was that Charlie Blackman at bat where two pitches way out of the zone were called strikes. And then, on a full count pitch, one that caught the zone was called a ball. And I think because the umpire knew, like, I can't ring him up here. I can't. 
Like, but Black's going to come out here and fight me. Uh, but still, like that that pitch to Diaz. If I'm if I'm Johnny Cueto, now the Rockies were already up four nothing at that point, right? So it's not an absolutely game swinging pitch, but you know they call that slam distance. But Black, a uh, lot a lot of players, a lot of it, it's an old thing, but Buddy always calls it slam distance. You're within slam distance at four nothing. It's it's kind of like you know the difference in an NBA game if you're down seven to nothing. That's a much bigger deal than being down six to nothing because it's the difference between two possessions and three possessions, even though it's just one extra point, right? So when you go over that four-run threshold, you're kind of doing that. You're basically, if you go over four runs up, you're taking out of the equation, and this is important for the Rockies, the ability for one guy to walk the bases loaded and give up a, a grand slam, and now the game is tied. If that happens after that Elias Diaz hit, you're still up two nothing, and so that that's a huge call, and it was it was very swingy, uh, and and that in the same at bat that it wasn't like the next guy or something like that. If I'm Johnny Cueto, I'm very upset that I didn't get that call because Diaz should have been out. That's a strike three. And it was on the first three pitches too. It's an O2 pitch. I've I've got to have that if I'm the pitcher. So uh, just to, for consistency's sake, point that out. Um, uh, not only did the Rockies catch a break there, they caught a little bit of a break that that ball glanced off of the glove of Alex Dickerson in left field. But uh, hard to argue the Rockies have caught a ton of breaks this season, and so they're going to take them where they can get them got a couple there uh, but again uh hard to argue that's even totally what swung the game considering the Rockies already had four runs and the Giants ultimately would only score two and the reason that they would ultimately only score two is because of tonight's draft king of the game remember to use that promo code dnvr20 Oh, I'm sorry, just DNVR, excuse me. It's not the not the 20 for, for DraftKings. DNVR over at DraftKings. They'll hook you up with some awesome promos. Herman Marquez, six innings pitched, five hits, one earned run, surrendered, one walk, three strikeouts. Uh, didn't have his best strikeout command. It's interesting. I was about to say he didn't have his best strikeout stuff, but I didn't want anyone to overly, you know, literally interpret me because his fastball was touching 98. And his breaking pitches were stu- still doing what his breaking pitches do. To my eye, Herman Marquez was simply throwing too many pitches that started a little bit too far out of the zone. He was getting ahead in counts, which was good. He was mostly locating his fastball and up 98 miles an hour, which was good. But he wasn't getting a ton of swings and misses on the fastball. So he was looking for those on the breaking pitches. He was getting them a little bit earlier in counts, but he was better at stealing strikes with them earlier in counts because he just wasn't getting that sweet spot location where the breaking ball looks like a strike out of the hand and it, and it spends most of its path toward the plate as a strike and then bends out of the zone, right? They were kind of starting just too low, too far away. They weren't tempting enough to the hitters, but they weren't terrible pitches. And so that's why he didn't end up giving up too much damage. He didn't end up walking guys because he very rarely does that. He'll get into the zone. 
after a couple that he spikes because he's trying really hard not to hang that thing, as it's been explained to me, uh, particularly when he spikes the baseball. Uh, but he just wasn't finding the sweet spot in the location to create the strikeouts. But the stuff was still fantastic. And that's why you saw only one extra base hit for the Giants against him. And that was Alex Dickerson, who continues to be fantastic against the Rockies. He's having a nice little season in general. And he was celebrating uh, the birth of a child. And you always know guys are are going to come back and do a lot of great things. And so you really do, you know, when you're on the the winning side of a, of a 7-2 game, you can go, hey, you know what? Tip your cap to Alex Dickerson. Congratulations. You had a great game. Went out there, hit another home run late off Carlos Estevez. Did your thing. Uh, celebrated the birth of your kid. Way to go. Uh, you know, provided most of the Giants offense tonight. And it ended up really not mattering because it was still a very, very comfortable win for your ball club. But that was that was it. That was the only real blemish on Marquez's resume. They did manage to scratch a run against him late. Again, that's going to happen when ground ball singles find the hole. Um, they did get his pitch count up a little bit late. So this was basically a B minus to C plus in terms of the quality of his pitches compared to what he normally does type of start for Herman Marquez. And it, and it, the results were fantastic. And that's how, you know, he's starting to work back toward, you know, man, if he could have come out there tonight with his a stuff, he might've been able to throw another complete game in San Francisco. Cause there were moments where he was flirting with that type of thing. The pitch efficiency was fantastic until the fifth and sixth inning, they really started driving him up there. He wasn't able to find the put away pitches. Uh, he, he was struggling a bit there. And because of that, you know, it's kind of, in a way, almost disappointing. He wasn't able to go the seventh inning. Honestly, early on, you thought he was easily going to get seven, maybe eight. And we know, and we even saw a little bit there with the Rockies bullpen that uh, just the more you can get out of that starter, the better, right? But all things told, got to tip your cap to the draft king of the game. And it's got to be Harman Marquez, despite the seven innings or the seven innings, the seven runs scored because. As I said, it's like nobody came out and hit a three-run jack. Uh, you know, Pilar had, a, had an impressive game with the home run, and he got that first rally started with a single up the middle. But a, a single up the middle and a solo jack, uh, it, you know, is usually not enough to, to get you king of the game. Josh Fuentes, like I said, that's a big, big clutch moment hit. Hard to be clutch in the first inning, but it is. Uh, teams that score the first run in the game, very, very good records for that. It's a big thing to get on the board first and to get on the board in the first. That's a that's a big thing. And you know, but again, that's you know, you got another hit later, but a a, a two for five day with a run scored and an RBI. Very nice day at the plate, and he continues to be great. But how how interesting, right? That for this Rockies team where the offense has been such a bugaboo and they've had such a frustrating season that they lose for the remainder of their season the most important player on the roster coming in. You could argue Trevor Story, but that's it. Um, and then they go out, drop seven runs without anybody doing anything particularly 
special. Now, getting a base hit with two outs and runners in scoring position for the Colorado Rockies this season, that is something special. But, you know, in a vacuum, nobody here, you know, even in general, you know, nine base hits for the Rockies tonight. They just threw them out there. They got the one balk. That helped. You know, and Sam Hilliard was able to kind of help create a run out of nowhere there for a minute. But, I mean, Toppy is still going to bring him in. Now, he did strike out in that plate appearance, but I still think Top's going to get a ball on the ground if Hilliard's still standing there. But that's amazing. Like, you've got to give the, the king of the game to a starting pitcher because – As we've seen, <laughs> as the Rockies have proven over and over again, you got to get the three outs every time, and seven runs isn't always enough for this team. And bullpens can absolutely implode, and the Rockies didn't tonight. So you can toast your Breck brew on this evening. Grab yourself an Avalanche Amber. <laughs> uh, I've been drinking the Hot Peak IPA a little bit lately, too. Great stuff, whatever you do. You're going to head out there to the farmhouse, drink it down at the DNVR bar. Get yourself a 15-can sampler pack if you're not sure which one's for you. And, uh, you know, try not to go through them too fast when your bullpen's out there on the mound. Carlos Estevez, another ugly inning. And I actually think that's a great spot for Bud Black to put him in, whether it's this year, next year, wherever. You need Carlos Estevez to be an asset for your team. You need a guy who can bring the kind of heat that he can, who has the kind of swing and miss stuff that he does to get out of this funk that he's in. But you don't want to be putting him into games in important spots. And I criticized them heavily last time they did that. This is a good spot for him. You're up 7-2, to two, or I guess you're up 7-1 at that point. Um, you want him to go out there and shove and regain a little bit of confidence doesn't go that way but he can't bury your team because you're already up by so much too bad he wasn't able to finish the inning uh, after giving up the home run a couple of hard hit baseballs walking a guy bud black decided he'd seen enough goes to yancy almonte who just has to get the one out a little surprised almonte didn't go back out there but again i think giving givens the eighth inning which is like the role, like the inning you envisioned for him, but not necessarily the role because the, the game, again, is so far, well, it wasn't out of hand, but it was, uh, you know, a comfortable-ish lead, as comfortable as you can get in baseball. Well, again, we've, we've seen that's not true either with these 25-run games and stuff, but still, you get my point. And then Givens has struggled a bit since coming to the Rockies. He's, you know, given up home runs and I, and I really don't think he's looked terrible and it's been a small sample size, but the three or maybe now four home runs that he's given up, um, you know, that, that that's hurt. That's going to kill your ERA especially, but it, it definitely hurts and it has hurt the Rockies. It's cost them to be sure. I don't think that's going to be who he is. So again, you want to see him go out there and he really had command issues in this one, uh, walked a couple of guys through some very wild pitches, just, wasn't hitting his spots, but was able to get out of his inning mostly again because of stuff, because his fastball slider combo is very good. And, and he was able to throw, I think, just basically what people weren't expecting him to throw. And so 
I don't know what you do with that one in terms of Givens, but at the very least, he was able to finish his inning where Carlos Estevez was not. And then another very positive look out of Tyler Kinley, who is really other than that one inning where, if you'll recall, he, he was just dreadful. He did the thing I talked about earlier where he walked the bases loaded and then gave up a double in the gap. David Peralta at Coors Field. Terrible, terrible inning where he gave up like eight or nine earned runs. <clears throat> the Rockies did ultimately, I guess. He, he was only charged for like five of them. Um, but since then, he's he's been very, very good. And he was the most solid-looking pitcher out of the bullpen for the Rockies tonight. Pitched a clean inning with a strikeout. And, you know, it's just this whole game – is almost kind of a microcosm of, of, of all, all your what if questions, right? Like what if they could have just gotten this kind of production, like I said, out of catcher and first base, not all the production. And this is part of, you know, the arguments I've been having back and forth with people about this team and how deeply flawed are they and how much is it really a, a team of three stars and everybody else is just kind of whatever. And, you know, and we talked yesterday about how it's important for Nolan to see this team play without him and how it's important for the fans to see this team without him. By the way, Ryan McMahon made a phenomenal barehanded play at third base today, which had you thinking he looked a lot like Nolan Arenado. But when they do contribute and, and again my point all along has always been like these guys don't need to be superstars and in fact this year i don't even believe that nolan arenado needed to be a superstar now we know he is and if he had been then this team is comfortably in the postseason and i i just very much believe that maybe not his fault probably not his fault if he's been hurt all year but that doesn't change that from being true but the other thing that's really interesting is what can they do without that superstar performance, right? Can they get enough if they play the right guys? And the right guys include Fuentes, Tapia, Elias Diaz, and continues to be, yes, Ryan McMahon, though we know that's been an up-and-down situation so far. Still a, a young player in this game at 25 years old. But... I mean, that was it. No one had to rise to the occasion and be the guy the Rockies count on. That's always the thing, right? I always hear that when I say, you know, these these guys can play. And they go, oh, you're counting on Rymel Tapia? You're counting on Ryan McMahon? Counting on David Dahl? That was always the big one, right? And there's the injury history there. of course. You're counting on Josh Fuentes. And that's not fair to count on those guys. The Rockies should have gotten better players than those guys. Maybe. It may be true. It may well be true. But I think we're also learning that I need to count on any one of those guys. They need a lot of people to be able to contribute something. Contribute something. And these guys have. So it'll be really interesting to see, you know, who we end up believing it's real for and who we end up putting the asterisks next to. 
that'll be a really interesting conversation, I think, mostly in the offseason. So. And Daniel coming in with a great point here. Everyone ahead of us in the wild card standing lost tonight. He says, big night to pick up ground. Scoreboard watching is fun. And why not? You know, it's, it's all right there. As I said the other day, we have seen crazier things happen. And, you know, this team needed a jolt. They needed a spark. And it's really weird to say that maybe losing their best player might be that spark that they needed. But they're three games out with seven to play. Is that right? Or are they? Yeah. And right now, in a very short two-game sample size, they're playing good baseball. Two games in a row now against two opponents who are ahead of them in the standings. I guess a lot of people have been ahead of them in the standings right now. But they've been playing well this year. Contributions up and down the lineup, good starting pitching, and a bullpen that just doesn't implode. It's not, not exactly a magical formula. It's just it just kind of sort of seems to to work. And you're not going to get seven runs all the time, especially at a place like Oracle Park in San Francisco, out of an offensive performance like that. But you're going to get enough to win your fair share of ball games. If you just don't go into those slumps and, and not just like slumps for, for a week for individual players. I mean, when the Rockies do that thing in games where they score two or three runs early and then they get zero hits for the final six or seven innings of the game. Can't have that. And with this group, while they're not tearing the doors down and they're not hitting big home runs and they don't get the big extra base hits, they're just not going that long without producing something. And with the starting pitching that the Rockies have been getting this year, that could sneak them right back into this thing. So if they want to get a ton of practice and they want to do it totally for free, they got to do what you got to do. That's get WGT Golf totally for free at dnvrgolf.com. It's super fun. I enjoy it. I have a blast with the game. Typically play it on the phone. You can also play it on your computer if you want. Whether you're into playing like full stroke play or closest to the hole, you know, like uh, world famous golf courses, they got St. Andrews, Beth Page Black, all kinds of cool stuff. It really does feel like being out there. The views are beautiful. It can be super relaxing if you want it to be. It can be really competitive if you want it to be. You can get on there, talk some trash to us and the DNVR staff. Talk to people in the DNVR community. Have some fun. We have got a third clubhouse open because we've been having so much fun with it. So make sure you come and get on board with that while the getting on board with that is still super hot. We are enjoying the WGT Golf and the Rockies are enjoying swinging the sticks around right now. Like I said, um, you know, one last final shout out to Josh Fuentes for continuing to uh, walk that line from, hey, this is a fun story to that's a guy you need getting important at bats right now. Like forget all the other stuff. If you want to win a baseball game right now, Josh Fuentes 
there's no manager in baseball who wouldn't have made that decision at this point, right? And so uh, you can run his numbers through whatever filter you want. You can talk about small sample sizes as much as you want. But Josh Fuentes is playing very good baseball uh, on both sides of it. And it's hard not to consider a kid that went undrafted and is doing this now a pretty amazing development success story for the Colorado Rockies. Again, it just kind of pinches a little bit that they didn't move to him a bit earlier in the season. Uh, and I understand why they wouldn't have necessarily known. And he had some injury problems last year. And in his first stint to the bigs, he looked quite a bit overwhelmed. But still, uh, he's he's been a contributor. That's, that's for darn sure. So we'll see what happens next. They got three more of these things. You know, if they can manage to sweep the San Francisco Giants, they will be ahead of them in the standings. I, you know. It will remain to be seen to what extent that matters, but that's that's on the table, so that's kind of fun and interesting. And as Daniel pointed out earlier, you know, there are a few teams in front of them, but none of them are on super hot stretches right now, and none of them are that far out ahead of the Colorado Rockies. Basically, what you're looking at here is the Philadelphia Phillies holding on to that final spot, I think. And yeah, that's what it looks like. And they're right at 500. So, you know, the Rockies getting back to 500 could get them into this thing. Very, very, very fascinating to see what happens now. Long way to go. Keep scoreboard watching. Keep having fun. Keep following us on social media. At Drew Creaseman, at Patrick D. Lyons, at DNVR underscore Rockies. Uh, keep subscribing or, or subscribe for the first time uh, to the DNVR.com. And yeah, just keep continuing to be absolutely awesome out there. I'll keep continuing to be absolutely Drew Creaseman in here. And until next time, I'll see you at the ballpark. 